why is he so terrible at his job? Yeah. Like, I know. Like, of, he could be literally all... trying to kill people. Literally, just have to look at someone. He kills like... one person in 50 years. <laughs> So 16. Today we are covering Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, we're covering this as it is part of our anniversary. Uh, well, I say our anniversary. I've only joined the last couple of months, but uh, the podcast anniversary, if I believe the first book, the first review came out um, just over a year ago today. So um, that was it. I mean, I, I think we mentioned this before. We've all already read this book, listened to this book, watched the movie before. Is that fair to say? That is fair. Yeah, many times. Yeah, I think probably only the second time I've actually read through this, to be honest. I'm not really one for going back to books. Uh, it's actually the first time I've listened to it, so I had to buy it, especially oh, for this right, podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, me and Stephen have this on our reread list quite a lot. Stephen probably more so no, even than me. No. I just feel like... What? Just just once a year, man. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I just feel like I always have something that of new you want to read, so I'm just constantly trying something different. Uh, yeah. Apart from my checkers, fortunately, that was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we all knew the plot anyway, so there's no need to guess that. Yeah. So my thoughts on the Chamber of Secrets, um, second book in the Harry Potter series, I think it is the weakest of all the books. Uh, I think it's mm. probably quite a well-known fact that the author had uh, writer's block during this. I'm pretty sure that's a right, well-known fact anyways. Could be making that up. Haven't actually fact-checked it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think it's a still enjoyable book. I just think definitely the weakest of the series. But I was still interested. still enjoyed it while, while I was going through it. I would like to ask Michael what he thought of the book. If he gives us a brief over, overview. Yeah, um, I kind of touched on it last year when I was uh, I kept bringing up Chamber of Secrets. So, and I, I mentioned basically what you said, Jason, that I think it's the weakest of the Harry Potter series. And I think I also mentioned that there was a lot of coincidences and stuff in this book. So I was kind of under pressure re-listening to this because I was like, oh, I have to find out what I don't like about it now. And so I have to talk about it because I have to justify what I said last time. Uh, but I don't want I don't want to do that like listen to it I just wanted to enjoy listening to it because overall I do I do like this book I do think it's a good book despite it has the it has the weakest in the series in my opinion as well but I still think it's a good book I think every Harry Potter book is at least a good book the reason that I think it's kind of the reason I think it's the weakest is it's sort of repackaged Philosopher's Stone in a lot of ways I think it's like it's more like harry potter 1.5 is what i've heard it described as and i would agree with that it's like episode two it's not really it doesn't feel as consequential as future installments on this series does it's kind of about adventure of the week sort of is what i I feel about this this book it does introduce a lot of important things and we'll touch on that as we get into it there are a lot of things that are set up that pay off and future and the future of the series so it is still important it's not completely inconsequential but I feel like it is the book with the least consequence to it. It's the book that changes 
the least yeah, it's, it's in this universe. Yeah, it's a setup book for later, yeah. later uh, installments. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of good on this book as well. There's a lot of, like, it, it starts the themes of, like, racism and classism that are that will continue throughout the Harry Potter series. Yeah. It introduces some so, some characters, like, it gives us more depth, at least on the Weasleys. It introduces characters that I'm less fond of, and we'll talk about them as well. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my basic thoughts on it. Brilliant. Uh, Stephen, Johnny, who would like to go next? Uh, yeah, I can go, because I think I'll be quite quick. I, I was going to say pretty much exactly everything that Michael said. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> I was going to talk about all the stuff that was set up for the later books, like, yeah. uh, you know, Horcruxes, and just loads of stuff, like the Womp and Wallow, uh, you know, Partial Mouth Polyjuice Potion, you know, all, yeah, all this sort of stuff. Vanishing cabinets on this and everything. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it's, it sets up a lot of stuff for, for, for later books, uh, but it is definitely the weakest. Nothing nothing else much, you know, to say, really. Yeah, and Johnny? Anything else to add? S- sorry to steal your... Yeah, I mean... Steal your whole thing. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Uh, uh, Stephen, Michael, and yourself. Um, I do think that it's probably the weakest in terms of story-wise. I kind of have a, a, like a, a soft spot for it because I like the whole Slytherin and Snake kind of focus of things. Um, just whenever I was younger, that was just kind of fascinated by... Um, I used to watch a lot, like, if you ever remember Steve Aaron, the crocodile hunter, and he used to do, like, a lot of reptile stuff, so I just absolutely love snakes and stuff whenever this came out. Um, <laughs> so I think I've just got a wee bit Snake. of fondness for that kind of stuff. I think the only reason I think the first one, for me, is better is more of, like, you get more Snape kind of storyline. You know how, in the first one, Snape's, like, seen as the villain up until near the end. Um, whereas I don't feel like Snape's, even though the whole thing is focused on Slytherin, I feel like Snape's not really involved too much in this book, um, which I, which I don't really like, um, because I think, you know, Snape's probably one of the strongest characters in it, or definitely whenever he's on the, any scenes he's on, they're the best scenes. But yeah, I agree with, um, what they said in terms of the actual storyline and how it progresses the story. Yeah, it doesn't really add too much, does it? Um, no, you mentioned it. Yeah. Just, just to go back to what I had said, like... I mean the the second book, right? Again, kind of kind of similar to what John was saying. That the only reason it's better than than philosophers is because the philosophers was the first one, right? Where that's like the the start of the the whole adventure, and you know you're introduced to all the new all the stuff is new, right? Whereas the second book, it's it's, it's kind of more the same, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it follows the philosopher structure so closely, and I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing for like books to have a set structure it's just harry potter became so much more than that this is just kind of an episode of harry potter more than a more than a you know everything changes like there's so many things that are similar like there's this hidden slash secret part of the castle there's uh voldemort is behind it but he's manipulating slash possessing somebody harry catches the snitch in a weird way Gryffindor won the House Cup after they get points for being the heroes. There's a red heron. It was Snape in the first book. It's Draco in this one. You know, it's just, it's so similar to Philosophers in so many ways. And I just think like, uh, well, the next one we do is, we'll talk about that when we talk about that. But that just changed a lot. And the characters that introduced compared to the characters that this introduced were so much stronger and had so much more depth oh, yeah. on the series. Completely different level of book. And Snape gets a lot more screen time. Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Yeah, well, we'll leave that for next year. Although, <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys would agree with this because I know I, I've read some reviews and they absolutely love him, but I think Lockhart gets way, way too much airtime in this book. Oh yeah, I don't um, know. If that I don't is. know about it in the book so much. Uh, I, I I don't think so. I think he's, he's got the right amount of of, of screen time. Yeah, like, his whole his whole point is to be annoying, but so I think that that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, a couple of annoying characters. He, I, I know so. he he's written to be obnoxious and annoying, uh, and he definitely is. And it's a completely intentional. It's just it impacts my enjoyment of this. <laughs> how I much feel, he is on it. I feel like it's a shame. It was he's like one of the only defense against the dark art teachers who wasn't brought back, apart from Officer Quirrell who died. And he's the only one who actually taught Harry something. <laughs> taught him a spell. He, he not spoilers on the books, Jotham, well, but there are differences exactly and, and and reoccurring characters on the books. Is all I say. I see. Oh, uh, do you not finish them all, Johnny? <laughs> I've not, I've not read all. No, <laughs> only read off the uh, for the, There's a sad moment in book five. <laughs> Lockhart's Horcrux. For the sake of the listeners, Jonathan has not. Yeah, he's not completed the book series. He's he's watched the movies, but not not read all the books. There's a sad moment in book five, Johnny. <laughs> oh dear, no. No, I'm gonna have to go read that. <laughs> <laughs> the books, the books diverge more from the movies going forward, Jonathan, because they're so much bigger. Whereas the books were shorter here, so they were easy. They kind of almost completely cover. In I the think movies. there's only like one bit of this book that's not really included in the film. Yeah, I mean we're on spoilers anyway, yeah. so we can. I think talk it's, about the, that, it's the the death day party. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah! If there's ever a scene they caught, it was that yeah. one. <laughs> It was interesting because it's like, you know, it expands the world a bit where you can see that there's ghosts and they have their own wee lives and stuff, right? But definitely didn't need to be on the film. No, definitely <laughs> so, didn't. So like, it just... I enjoyed I enjoy that chapter. Really? It's all right. Like, I mean, it's not the best chapter. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I liked it. It just, it was a nice wee bit of world building that... I don't know if I, I liked it because because it wasn't in the movie, so it was like this extra bonus. But yeah. because I actually I actually watched the first two movies before I read the books, and from here on, on I would have uh, from Prisoner of Azkaban, I would have read the book before the movie. Then, poor Nick, okay? all he wants to do is join the headless hunt. They just want to know. <laughs> poor guy. I think uh, that we party was like just the like sort of nice wee bit just before things sort of took a turn. Am I right in saying that's when they found? Is it the cat? I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. It's just after, it's when they leave. So it's just yeah. nice and a bit of yeah. fun that then that shit has the fan, sort of. So so funny, though, because, like, just a bit of fun, and then they're, they're at a death day party. <laughs> a bit of crackly. <laughs> a bit of fun, yeah. I, 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 I just, I like the, the fact that the ghosts have to go through, like, the rotten food, and they just barely get a taste. It's it's pretty sad. When it's, yeah. It's a pretty sad existence. <laughs> Like how um, uh, uh, do you only become a ghost then if you die in the school? No, like because why? Why isn't everyone got a ghost like after they? You never find out though. That's the other thing. You don't find out why. Or no, well, it's alluded to later that you get you might get to choose or something. Like you can come back if you want. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think they do explain it. Yeah, it's not really explained. It's just sort of mentioned that. Yeah, it's hinted at, kind of. Yeah. I know, like, the, the lore of ghosts in general outside of Harry Potter is usually ghosts or people with either unfinished business or something traumatic happened to them. 
So there's still yeah. there's still like an imprint of them. I give you. It's definitely not. They have to die in the castle because there's two main ghosts for the castle that didn't die there. And this is sort of not spoilers, but it's for later books. The bloody Baron yeah. who comes up quite a bit. He didn't die. He died in like Romania or something. Yeah, because I think isn't there even a time Harry goes looking for somebody's ghost? Yeah, that's the other one. Ravenclaw's yeah, spoilers ghost. for the She, she yeah. also died in Romania. Possibly yeah. related. Can't remember. Fair play, lads. What do you guys think of like how this how this book starts? Where like Harry's back with the Dursleys, and it's like he's still miserable and horrible. John, I think this is a bit different from the movie too. Jonathan, what did you think of this start? Oh, what way do you mean different? I think the Dursleys are infinitely more abusive in the books than they oh, are in the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I like in the in the movie, it's kind of it's more like a comedy kind of thing. The way they go on, it's like you can't take them seriously. Whereas in the book, it is real yeah. like hatred. Harry has a lot of hunger pangs in this series and the books. Yeah. Yeah. Last just starving. Yeah, it's extremely cruel. <laughs> but at least he, he got Dudley's second bedroom. Yeah. That's something I guess. <laughs> I, I like that the, I like that they go back to it goes back to the Dursleys at the start of each book. I, I think that's a nice wee kickoff for yeah. each time. Do you know? I suppose what other choice did he have? Yeah. Like a reset every single time, I don't know. Like he was also what, twelve years of age, you know. Like he is quite young you know um i don't think you have much choice other yeah. than to go to the dursleys no but i mean i mean the books don't necessarily have to start there every time do you know they could have jumped it forward the first day of school or something yeah no it's just sort of breaking or the format at the, the at the, the borough or something like the contrast yeah. of like you know usually for us going to school like you're always dreading going back to school and you love the summer holidays it's like the opposite for harry so it's like a it's like a good kind of contrast as well. They show maybe just yeah for one chapter or something like that. But yeah, it's I, I think it's it's good to include. Yeah, it's kind of it's part of the hero's journey too, where uh, the character has like an unsatisfying life in the first act. So it's it's kind of a good way to show that things aren't always all rosy for Harry. That he does he's still miserable for at least summer. Yeah, I I also get the sense that. When she was writing the books, she sort of wanted them all um, to be kind of not exactly standalone, but like you could pick any of them up and you know just sort of follow what's going like happening. Whereas if they started at school or something, it'd be a bit weird. Or, yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I think know. this book definitely feels like that more more than future books because this book doesn't reference things. I don't think as much, and when it does, it gives you the explanation. Like when it introduces Malfoy again, it's like. He's Harry's rival. It gives you that bit of ex- exposition. Yeah. There's also the you're not like the the underage wizard can't do magic outside school, so you have to obviously have a outside of school location to explain that that's a case. And then of course there's the whole yeah. getting the school as well. But I know obviously you could have started the book at like the borough and then did the whole getting the school scene anyway. But yeah, I think just like starting in this miserable place is yeah, it's 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 good. Like it's. I like that he lied about not not being allowed to do magic, or not not that he lied about it, that he didn't tell him. Yeah, like he's, yeah. he's, he's messing with him. <laughs> Keeps him safe, really. What do you guys think of uh, Dobby and this book? Don't like him because I also <laughs> might find him slightly annoying in this book. Yeah, he's, he's a wee bit annoying. annoying in this one. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's like he's a, du- he's a and it's it's it's, <laughs> it's annoying, but it's also like, why did you do it that way? Why did you not just tell him? 
Like maybe his not. Pl- don't tell him that it, plan makes no sense. Don't don't tell yeah. him that it's your master or whatever. Just tell him that no, that the basic like <laughs> plot to get him sort of thing. This is going to happen. Also, that's going to happen. Also, why is he protect? Why does he find Kari is in danger when if he is aware of the plan that it's going to uh, kill the the mudbloods? Harry would be completely safe, wouldn't he? In that yeah. situation, yeah, kind of, that is kind of weird. Yeah, and like, how did he know? Like, sure, doesn't Tom Riddle eventually say, like, he was targeting mudbloods, but now since Harry picked up the diary, he's a new target as him. So even the the memory of Tom Riddle didn't know about targeting Harry. So how the hell did Dobby know? Yeah, <laughs> that is weird. Yeah, I do. You know what I like? I like like the existence of elves. I think I like that they're like the, yeah. the elves are probably the most powerful creatures but because they're so timid and all they don't actually you know have that much power if that makes sense they just love doing jobs as well (laughs) (laughs) i do like dobby across the series and jonathan you you haven't read the books he gets a lot more depth in in one of the future books uh and i like and that's when i started to yeah number four yeah i've read four around a lot on that oh have you yeah where the kitchen and a lot and then there's like the girl oh yeah yeah so he gets a lot lot more development yeah in that book yeah, Mikey, like isn't it? Mikey, yeah. Ah, he's not very good in this book, so I, I would agree it gets better. Especially that plan with the bludger. Like, how was that was definitely gonna kill Harry in, in most scenarios. Although it was more dangerous than the mean. fucking snake. <laughs> I don't know. It's very similar to the first seriously book mean. as well. Like, you know, it's not like Quidditch has played a couple of feet <laughs> off the ground. It's played really high. Like this object going. That is. How was that supposed to end well? <laughs> oh, doesn't think, does he? I mean, if he's yeah. going to go to that length, just like get a bludger and then like follow Harry around the school and just wing it at him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it when everybody's about. Yeah. Surely I am laying up in the hospital too. He's going to make him more vulnerable than, you know, being fucking healthy. Yeah, right enough, eh? Do you know what I don't get as well? Just talking about the Quidditch game. Why, like, okay, so Lockhart's a terrible wizard, right? And he knows that, right? Because he says yeah. it later on. He knows that he's terrible, but he's, he's stolen all these ideas for his books, whatever. Uh, so why does he still do magic? Like, to like try and fix Harry's arm, even though he, he probably he knows. knows it's not going to work. Why does he not just let somebody else do it? Yeah, because he has right? a persona of being a great wizard, you know? Yeah. Maybe he's bullshitting Weird. himself. Bullshit at that. Yeah, no, that he's he now believing himself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly it. He's uh, he's inflated his own ego so much where he he thinks that this is the truth that he's fooled himself. So, uh, so the Weasley they they come and like they rescue Harry in the flying flying car and then they go to the burrow. Uh, the burrow is where that's when we're first introduced to it in this series. And I really like the burrow and I really like every chapter we get in the burrow. It's just it's such a good such a cool setting. What do you guys like think of that part? I think I think I would love to have a house like the borough. Not necessarily like, you know, cobbled together rooms and stuff, right? Like just the, the kind of countryside house that's kinda of like got a big nice garden with all random stuff yeah. on it. Yeah. I nice gaff. And yeah, it's this this book nice and future books. Yeah, I think I don't think there's a bad chapter um at the borough. Like it's definitely has some of the more exciting moments in the saga. Uh, but yeah, I quite quite liked quite liked the borough. Quite liked meeting the Weasleys. Um, I didn't realize didn't realize how much setup there was in Jenny fancying Harry. Um, 
I just assumed that yeah. was something that came further down the line from memory, but like it's very obvious. First time you meet her. I'm always surprised about how long he spends at the burrow that first time. Yeah, it's he spends the summer there, doesn't he? Yeah. I suppose when's his birthday? Is it July? Yeah. And that's when they rescue July. him. And I suppose in this stage of the book, um, in this stage in the series, people are always asking, why doesn't Harry stay at the burrow indefinitely? But she does give an explanation, an in-universe explanation for that in a later book as well. It's kind of nice yeah. seeing Harry actually have like good surrogate parents and the Weasleys. It'd be a bit of a sun like if he had to go back to the Weasleys every time. They're skint as it is. They can't <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. But Harry's rich. He could fucking take care of them. And he never gives them any money. Uh, Harry's, <laughs> Harry's a dick. <laughs> Stungy bastard. Huh? <laughs> Hello. Here, Molly, there's, there's one galleon for like all the food you've given me over the month. <laughs> I, would, I would do it like. What's that like? 500 quid or something. That's right, he marries into them. He probably uh, gives him money after that. That's what the Curse of Chet is about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've actually never read that or seen it. Yeah, that same. being said, like, well, actually, like, see, whenever, like, I think you, you don't find this out until the fourth book, but you never know. Like, you know, whenever, like, like Dumbledore makes all the food appear in the Great Hall, it's actually been prepared by the elves, and then he just teleports it up. I actually always thought that he was, like, you know, just whipping that up out and on. You know, so I was like, why do wizards even need money if they can just do that? Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I guess, as I, I just remembered, uh, the fourth one explains that as well. I, you just, uh, the books explain so much that's just, I guess, maybe this is a good or a bad thing, like, but that in the, the, the movie, you just assume is just pure magic, like. I think between these books, a lot of people were asking questions like, how can this work if that and that and that? And, and it was constantly, like, these books are always rolling, explaining things that were being asked. Yeah, I think she was just, like, not backtracking herself, but just trying to sort of tie plug everything holes. up. Yeah, plug holes, yeah. 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 Um, it worked, though. Yeah. In a, in a good well, way. Yeah. Like, Did I? So it doesn't seem to, like, take away from the story, her plugging of holes. Like, she only starts doing it sort of this book onwards, obviously. Um and the other yeah. books definitely I mean, it nearly suffer. in some ways adds to it yeah it's word building like yeah but like it adds to it that there's a question of how does this work and and in a book and then you get an answer answer to it in a couple of books there's something satisfying about that as well yeah so this the, the next part after the the burrow is like the flu powder scene and they go to Diagon Alley. um harry is on the he's on the cabinet hiding and this is a part that I, I took issue with in our first episode when I brought this up, where he just happens to be in the perfect place to overhear this evil conversation with <laughs> Lucius and Draco. And I don't know how why he winds up there, of all places. Like, he could have ended up anywhere. He could have, like, just gone straight to the Chamber of Secrets. For all we know, it could have been completely random. I don't have a chimney in the chamber, Michael. Or not <laughs> chimney, a fireplace. But, like, what, what's stopping Harry from going anywhere in the world that... Has a th- as as part of the flu network, why does he just happen to end? I think that's also touched on. Maybe not in this book, but later on. I think Mister Weasley tells him that you can go to any fireplace, but it's like rude or something. Well, is the whole point not that he like mispronounces where he's going or something? But he says he says like Dag. He gets ashes on his mouth and he mispronounces it. But then that means that the flu network realized that he was trying to say diagonally. So it's like I'll put him there diagonally. Well, why didn't you just put him there if you realised what he was saying? Yeah. 
I thought that's yeah. Okay. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that's all, that's always in my head. On, but <laughs> it's just I don't want to be nitpicky on this book. But that's that part just that's the point. Always that my nitpick head. Nitpick it. <laughs> and nitpick it. Go for it. What do you guys think about Lucius Malfoy? This we're first introduced to him. I think he is an excellent character throughout the series. Really like him. Yeah, yeah. from from start to finish. Well, from this book to the end, I think he's great. He yeah. he sort of has an arc in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> or like. I suppose yeah. all the Malfoys well, do, don't they? Yeah. Books, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I like, I like, he's like he... it goes on like the big man, but he is just a coward. Like he's, do you know, like he, again, we find out on later ones, he is just a coward. We're terrible sticking so to this like, book, aren't we? <laughs> he's like a good, good character. Like they have this, you know, the power again. He's like the elves. It's like he has this power and money behind him and all, but he doesn't use it because he's afraid. I like how him and Arthur just have a full-on brawl in a bookshop as well. Yeah. Another they can difference. do magic, but they're just fast fighting. <laughs> yeah. Another difference from the movies, the, the fight does not happen in the movies. They just argue in the movies. Arthur Batram, though, I reckon. Yeah, he's a scrapper. Easy. Yeah. No, he's from a poor family, he can scrap. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've met Lucius, and then the lads uh, try to get the train, and for whatever reason they can't get through the platform, uh, and the train obviously leaves, which we later find out to be one certain house else doing. So then the lads, uh, Harry and Ron, take the flying car all the way to Hogwarts and we get introduced to the Whomping Willow for the first time. Um, so what's everybody thinking about this this particular part? This was a better plan from Dobby. <laughs> right? <laughs> Where he's just blocking him from getting there. But he didn't see it the whole way through. Like a yeah. tube. <laughs> Fucking Dobby, man. He just he closes the barrier and then he just he you know, dusts his hands out. He's like happy days. <laughs> he leaves. Yeah. Less murder, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Less murder. Yeah. <laughs> Ever a, a lot of people. I read reviews of this, and like a lot of people have issue with the decision of Harry and Ron to take the car yeah. instead of just waiting. But I don't know. I I think it kind of fits. They're both hotheads throughout the series. I think it has something that makes sense that they would do. And I really like I really like the flying car sequence. It's it's fun, and as is the Womp and Wallow, which is another thing that's set up in this book for the future of the series. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Like I think I like the car scene, and I do think it is something they would do. But it does really scream that she needed a way for them to get into trouble at the start. Yeah, yeah. But the car comes back into it as well. Like it wasn't just a complete one off. It does. Yeah. What about you, Jonathan? What do you think of this part? I I mean. I like, I like the car. Like I like the the car has a personality. Like, I guess to the car, the whole thing of the car is you find out more about like Arthur Weasley's kind of work in the book. You know, you know, not so much in the movie, but in the the book, you kind of find out about what he like. You know, he does the the Muggle studies or whatever it is, or the what does it he does? Mischievous he works with yeah, yeah, yeah. Misuse a Muggle artifacts or whatever it is. But then he's like he's misusing them as well for, for like testing in his own garage or whatever. It's so it's kind of an interesting like we backstory him, but it's uh I, I like uh as well the the like the whole in the movie it doesn't happen in the book the whole, in the movie you know the the part where the his tire is like falling out of the or is it Ron who his our high falls out of the the car that doesn't happen in the book doesn't it? I think that was a slight difference. No, like, no, no. Yeah, like I when they're trying to find the train. 
Yeah, I think they needed something more like suspenseful in the in the film. Yeah, in the book. Yes. I think they just sit eating like Werther's for like yeah five hours. <laughs> but the the movie introduces Ron's big sweaty hands by doing that. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I feel like that's also a recurring <laughs> thing. <are> too sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Why the hell is Harry to you holding on that fucking that car door and that? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, absolutely a 10-year-old or 11-year-old boy doing that. Fucking flying great upper, Great upper body strength. Big hench potter. Absolutely no chance. And then, fuck, Ron, no baller, pulls him up. Fucking tank. That man's <laughs> that man's been starving all summer and he's still got... He's still shredded. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like that scene in fucking... That's what it is, Michael. He's, he knows that the feast's coming up. He's like, I, I need that food. Uh, it's the, it's the adrenaline, it's the hunter's instinct that's kicked in. Do you know what scene in, in Batman Begins where fucking Liam Neeson's falling off the edge of the hanging Batman, like, pulls him up with one arm, basically a bicep oh, curl. This is ridiculous. About, about six foot four, fucking Liam Neeson wearing body armor and everything. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Weighs over, well over 100kg, like, just curls him up in the water. Oh my god, I know. Out of all the things that happen in, in that series, that is... Yeah, we're not talking about Batman, but that was, <laughs> but, that's but, but that's that's how I like compare that stuff. Yeah, I'm funny. I'm a funny guy. <laughs> that's ah, actually that classic. Yeah, oh, the cancer. Schindler AIDS or something. Is it? Skip. I have AIDS. <laughs> right, we're now doing a uh, what's that show called again? Extras podcast. Uh, extra. <laughs> Going from Harry Potter to Batman to extras. There is there is a link though with the thing because Warwick Davis is there. Ah, yes, so there's a link. There's a link. And speaking of Warwick Davis, go ahead, Jason. There's your segue. <laughs> speaking of Warwick <laughs> Davis, um, we uh, the we move from the Wampum Willow to the uh, to the introduction of racism in the Wizarding World, um, where yeah. during we get to meet the new Slytherin uh, Quidditch team. And Draco Malfoy calls Hermione a, which obviously Harry has no clue about. So I think Ron very kindly explains it to us all. Um, essentially, she's just dirty blood. Um, so then this is sort of when Drake becomes suspect number one. After after they go to the death day party, and then they're supposed to have the feast. I think the Halloween feast, but they go to the death day party instead. And after leaving that, they come across is it Filch's cat with a big threatening message yeah. about it. About mm-hmm. I can't remember what exactly it says. Um, I don't think the first one does it say about mud bloods. I think it just oh, it says, says it's like, air of the southern. Beware does it say the chamber of secret is open again, or the air of Slytherin? Maybe yeah, it's one of those. Anyways, something about the air of Slytherin or something about the chamber of secrets being open. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Everywhere. That's it. And just right. cat. It's petrified, not dead. I love, I love, I love, I love uh, Felt's just absolutely like going for. He's like, Harry oh, should be killed. <laughs> this is like, first of all, no proof that it was Harry. The cat's not even dead. But Felt's just like, I want to see some punishment. You're squaring up them, you know. I'm going to kill you. Uh, Fulch, Fulch is an interesting character. I think you get more about him as well, I've said in the book. I think the whole, the word of a squab, that's not mentioned at all. Yeah. In, uh, I think that doesn't come up at all. No, it doesn't. It actually adds a wee bit of like, you feel a wee bit bad for him, like, and you can understand why he's such a wee, Def- like, grouch. Definitely, yeah. Yes. yeah. I can see, it, like, you can see why he wants to work there as well, because, like, he gets to be around magic and stuff. 
but at the same time, yeah. it's a source of his anger. Because he's like, fuck's sake, I want to do it. And then he went and just killed freaking half the Starks, like. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine, like, being on the, the magical world and you don't get to do magic, you just have to watch everybody having all the fun? That would be the no, present. You can still do, you can still, like, drink potions and stuff. <laughs> I guess. Like, but it's do, a, do I can see the back. His bitterness makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, I can't believe Jason dropped all those hard M's and there I'm going to have to edit those edit those or bleep those <laughs> like, out there Jason that's shocking like you can't be sorry that's seriously dropping the M bomb can we drop the squibs there without warning that would be fine <laughs> hard D's um, I think that's also the sort of well not the introduction of Parcel Tongue but because I think there was a, the, the initial the very start of the first book but I think it's the reintroduction of uh, Parcel Tongue in Chamber of Secrets. Leading up to the attack, Harry can sort of hear this voice, I think, threatening to kill or something as well. So, um, Yeah. I think I mentioned on our last episode, I think Roland's so good at like building on things that have come before where I don't necessarily think she had it all planned out the way a lot of people think. I think she's just great at looking at things. And this is an example of that, I think, where... Harry spoke to a snake in the first one, and then she kind of came up with Parcel Tongue, I think, in this book, is the way I think that it happened, rather than it already being this thing that she planted. I think she just was great at building upon things that had already happened and giving them explanations further down the road. A good question here. So, you know, obviously, the, the Harry can hear these voices because obviously he can hear the snake in the walls. The, the, the monster is ultimately a snake. A snake. Like, why is... Why a snake or a basilisk? What? Why? Why is that? Why is it like you know? It's I think the words like kill, rip, tear, all that. Why? Why is it just going around saying that? Like why is it crawling for these walls? Being like, oh, kill, kill, kill. It's like your man, freaking from Rick and Morty. I just love killing. It's like also, it's a snake. Why, why is that what it's saying? Surely, if you like going around being like, geez, I'm starving. How am I might wreck some kid or something. Do you know what I mean? And why is he so terrible at his job? Yeah, I know. Like, like, of, he literally all... trying to kill people. Literally, he's like they look at someone. He kills like. one person in 50 years. <laughs> I know. Uh, just needs to make eye contact. I know. He's the worst. Terrible at staring contest. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't even have to make eye contact, I think. doesn't he? Don't they just have to see it? Or something? I think they have to see his eyes. Which brings up a question, right? Why does Harry not have that at the end? Because the phoenix. Like, no, but like he can look Blends at it no more. The Phoenix cuts out size. Uh, the, it's blind. Uh, it's the Phoenix blinds oh, blind it. Uh, it. It has to be the eyes. Uh, Off the but, bat, though. Right. <laughs> Why? I know right enough at the start of that fight, there's like the, the thing's blind straight away. Like it kind of ruins its best power. Yeah. But also, you know how it's like they, they give the explanation of how it moves around. It's like pipes. It's like, see some of the places people are getting petrified it's like wh- wh- where's the where's the pipe that that big massive snake could come out of like <laughs> how is it how is it like peeping its head out of this pipe and will they like just like petrify someone and then go back without being seen I don't think it's as big in the book as it's shown to be in the movie I think there's a description of its size and uh it's something like it's as wide as a an oak which I think it's bigger than that in the movie so That's it's, massive it's slightly it's smaller it. It's still big, like yeah, but it's, it's but it's not as big in the movie. I mean, in the book as it is in the movie, I think it's about maybe half, even a third of that size. But yeah, it's still still 
least some explaining how nobody saw it creeping on and out of these no one seen it, like. Apart from the people who Again, were petrified. How many times in that book does Harry find himself in the wrong place at the wrong time? Like, yeah, I know that's the whole point, but but it is just ridiculous. Like it's it happens too many times. That was another one of those coincidences I was referring to last episode, last Harry Potter episode. Yeah, it does happen a lot. These first two books, I don't think it's as bad as the first one. Yeah, but Snowbike Snake is pretty cool. I think it's it's still a cool monster. I agree with Jonathan on that. Yeah, big spiders too. Big spiders and big snakes. <laughs> She's really scraping the barrel, isn't she? I wish the big spider was was more big, the big spider was more involved. Like you know, maybe like a clash of the spider versus the snake at the end, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's what we need more of. Like, I mean, how how the hell did Harry kill that snake? Like seriously, like a freaking eleven year old boy with just a sword. Stabbed it, lad. I think that's why they why they had to have it blinded so it would be slightly more plausible. Jeez, it's still a freaking big massive snake. Like. <laughs> Again, and the, uh, I think it's, it's smaller and smaller in the book than he is in the movie. And the movie's fucking ginormous. I don't know what fisting off against a wee tiny snake in real life would still be challenging. Enough, like, <laughs> never mind one that's actually bigger than you. Like, but if you had a sword, would you win? If I had, yeah, sword? you just Aye. if just I had chop a, a blind snake, well, it'd be mm. a good shot. Like the banter, imagine, imagine like all the slagging. Harry would get if he was killed by a blind snake. <laughs> Big snakey wonder. Like Dumbledore would Hello. definitely take off a hundred points from Gryffindor and they'd fucking be laughing. <laughs> Seriously, Harry, I'd give you a phoenix, a sword, a hat. What else did I you basically need? that a fee, Harry, right? <laughs> Classic Dumbledore. Um what happens after that? I think then this is the sort of Quidditch match we touched upon. Where um the what do you call it, the bludger bludger is it uh yeah. enchanted by yeah. again a certain house elf harry ends up having his arm broke oh catching the snitch again um we heard already about lockhart messing up the spell uh probably the more important part out of all that is when he is uh in the hospital bed uh there is a a uh first year i think brought in petrified into the hospital colin creevy Another dickhead. Aye, concrete. Yeah, he's about the camera, isn't he? <laughs> he's also very annoying. He's very, very annoying. Um, anybody else have anything to add about Colin Creevy's petrified body? I, I agree. He's another annoying character. This is the introduction of all the annoying characters in this book. <laughs> Dobby Lockhart and Colin Creevy. Would I almost add Mona Myrtle to that I was list? Too, just about to like say Mona Myrtle. Myrtle. Absolutely. <laughs> Mona, Myrtle, the absolute shagger, too, as well. <laughs> constantly after it so she is it's one way of putting it isn't she played by like a 40 year old uh, yeah she is there in, in the movie which I think is quite disturbing mm. how they that. made a 40 year old woman look like a, like a 10 year old girl so it's weird uh, so then we get to the dueling club uh, where once again parcel tongue becomes a a thing um, after Malfoy summons a snake to attack Harry um, the snake Harry, everybody seems to think Harry is like directing the snake to attack someone in the crowd um, but he's actually just having a wee chat I think he's actually telling it to stop but no one can understand him and then I think shortly after that we come across two more petrified bodies one of which being nearly headless Nick uh, I can't remember the other guy uh, uh, Justin French Fletch- it's, Fletchley yeah it's the guy that was at the jewel club that the snake was trying to get Oh, right. So 
another it's, it's, another massive coincidence. Yeah, so it's like it's like it starts to put the blame <laughs> on Harry then because he can talk to snakes and he it seems like he was having a it seems like he, he was, was telling it to kill this, yeah. this guy. Harry can't catch a break. Poor lad. Poor lad. Especially after last year, like you think they'd all like him. Oh, he's sound there. He's a good lad. Yeah. This is like a, a reoccurring theme now in like these books where there's just every now and then all of Hogwarts absolutely hates Harry. <laughs> just completely turn against him. It happens a couple of times in the series. Oh, you're right. Another another thing about the Dueling Club, it's where Harry learns his signature spell. Spell Yarmouth. Yeah. He learns uh, Spell Yarmouth. He spa- spams the life out of it forevermore. A, a signature move taught to him by Lockhart. Or Snape. A Snape, I was going to say. Uh, but... Snape's the one that does it correctly. If Snape does it to Lockhart, does he not? Yeah. I have it. If Lockhart wanted to stop him, it would have only been too easy. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> true. I actually kind of like 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 the way Lockhart goes on. Like, I actually like like how he absolutely like in love with himself is. Like, I thought I it was fun. It's actually funny work. I thought it was funny in that that part this with Snape because because of Snape, uh, uh, you know how much it's winding Snape up. I, I thought it was <laughs> it was funny that time. <laughs> But I have a signature move that he just that's it's his go to forever. I just spam yeah. life out. He becomes it. the expert. and it never works the way that he wants it to work. <laughs> it's, it's funny that spell isn't it? like it's supposed to be the disarming spell, but like whenever like you do it some ways, it like I disarms their wand. But then like you know in the number three in the in the movie, whenever Harry does Blows it, they snap snap apart. Absolutely, <laughs> it's like away. It's like come here, man. Hello. Like what? What is the spell? Is it like just like you know hybrid kind of spell where you can use it in different ways to pen pen or you? It does whatever Harry wants it to do in the specific moment. <laughs> he just he just says he just calls it that, but he's actually using different spells every time. He just like saying the word. Is there a movie mistake? Just to go back and the oh wait, have we done the eight slugs part? I we did, didn't we? Yeah, that is that a movie mistake? Because yeah. Ron doesn't say Ron doesn't say a spell, and don't they don't they like? They they haven't learned that yet. They learn that later in the series. I think it's because he's got the big broken wand. I think he just tries to do some curse on him, but then he, he like the backfires. Yeah, can't remember. And that's also but, like, but he just says slug. He doesn't actually say a curse. I think you're right. Yeah, all powerful. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? I think he just says the words "eat slug." Like he does yeah. magic without actually saying the word. Right, yeah, I see what you mean. Now. And and they learn they do learn that ability, but they learn it later in the series. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it's not. It's not. In, it's not in the book, but it's on. It's a looks like a movie mistake, possibly. Yeah, it's funny, but so. Yeah, it is funny. And to be honest, like there's like, I always think it's like I think Voldemort and Dumbledore are like the only two that really do it. But like they can like do magic sometimes with just their hands. Like, is it in the fifth one where Harry's about to like do a spell on Voldemort and he just like waves his hand and <laughs> Harry's wand flies out of his hand it, it actually it happens a lot in the later book there's a whole button in the sixth book where they start to learn how to do that and it's really difficult yeah yeah because I always wondered that's not really explained in the movie yeah, yeah. wands just channel the magic don't they they're what the wizards are the, the wizards or witches are, are the sources of the magic but the wands channel yeah. it because Harry does Harry does that at the very beginning of the story of the philosopher's stone where he's doing magic without a wand uh, like he makes the glass and all disappear, but I was like, oh, well, what is the actual, what's the rule? Well, Jack, like, like, uh, yeah, because there's a whole thing, there's a whole better thing about goblins in the books as well, where they're, they're like mad at the wizards because they won't tell them how to make wands. 
but they can also yeah. do the same sort of magic. And they're like, go on, just tell us. And the wizard's like, nah. Yeah, I'm sure Do- Dobby can do magic just by clicking his fingers. Ah, uh, so it's the, same, it's the same thing there, yeah. Ah, he's dead so strong they, they, too, like. The humans don't tell him because it's like a superiority thing. They're like, not telling you. And then they're yeah. obviously like, there's one, they can like say like, someone then higher in Voldemort or whatever don't need to actually like uh, say the word like say in like the seven of them when they're fighting and stuff like that like they don't actually like say a spell but they'll actually like cast something and I guess like again as you get more adept at the spell you don't really need to say it as long as you can feel it yeah but then yeah that's how, that's explained in, that's explained in the books uh, too eventually how, what happens when there's loads of Dementors and Harry needs to absolutely scream Expecto Patronum like then, <laughs> do you know what I mean because obviously that makes it more powerful like so that's the uh... yeah that's how it works. It's nothing to do with his memory. It's it's how loud you scream it. Yeah, if I learned anything from Dragon Ball Z, the, the bigger the screen, the better the power. Glad you thought of Dragon Ball Z, because I did too there. <laughs> right, what happens after that? Uh, back on track. Is it, uh, <laughs> the Polyjuice. Are we at the Polyjuice yeah. polyjus part of the story? Yeah, we? we are. Um, yeah, so then after, after a few more um, petrified bodies are found, uh, the three of them come up with a plan to question Malfoy, and that is by disguising himself as three members of Slytherin, uh, Crab, Goyle, and a girl whose name I can't remember. Um, so they brew up the Polyjuice potions. Um, per Hermione turns into a cat, because she's used cat hair. Um, they sort of question Malfoy, find out he's not the heir to Slytherin. And like things sort of settle down for a while. I think in Hogwarts there's no more attacks or anything like that. Yeah. So how do we how do we find the introduction of Polyjuice potion? And just potions really being used in general. Yeah, it's another staple of the series that kinda of comes back yeah. every so often. The fourth book and so and later on and stuff. Um I like it. I like that they're they're kinda of like you kinda of, you find out about it and you know, it's got all these mad ingredients, you have to do it a certain way and all I like that they have to actually do something. They have to earn it, sort of thing. Uh the whole thing about Malfoy, the plan there, it was kind of weird like, it seemed like from the the author's point of view it was like kind of forced because Malfoy just randomly stays for Christmas right, but he never does that any other time, and it's like that's kind of weird (laughs) and then the Uyghur that Hermione is supposed to transform into she's all, oh I'll just tell him that she decided to stay instead and it's like, what doesn't make any sense because when, when you leave and they find out she's not there anymore. It's gonna be like, oh, where did where did she go? And then they'll know. So like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Mm, yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. I I like I like the 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 fact that the potion has to be brewed and stuff, and it takes so long, and um, that they have to gather all the ingredients and break rules to get some of the yeah. ingredients, and and I like I like the poly just potion throughout the series that. Uh, as you said, it becomes a staple of this series where they transform into other people. It happens in nearly every book going forward. Um, yeah, it's, it's I, I really like I really like Polyjuice Potion. I think it's a really good part of the series and a, a really vital part of yeah. the series. And did you get your hands on any and have a drink, Michael? Because you know how you like to have a something out of the movie. Or... Oh God, I, f- I forgot to have something from Harry Potter. Let oh. me let me think. <laughs> I think, I mean, the amount of food that they have you with those feasts, I'm sure you've had some. You've been starving yourself. I've finally had some, yeah. You had nothing? Didn't like Harry have like a wee... Time? 
I Harry had a wee trouble of sip that night one time in, in the Dursleys. So, <laughs> do you know what I'd be excited? If, I think it's uh, the next book is the the butter beer. I'd like to like there's like recipes for it, like mix them. I ordered some online and had some before. It's pretty good. Is it is, is it like actual beer? Or is it like a sweet? Or is it like a it's, sugar? It's like American cream soda, kind of with a toffee sort of flavor to it. Yeah, there's no I, alcohol. I think that right? was like the, sounds pretty good. There's no alcohol yeah, there's, in it. Th- there's a recipe I have as an alcoholic one. You actually use like I think it's like I can't remember what it's a type of beer in a way. It's like a milder beer. You you kind of have a bit of that, in it, but it's not like too strong or anything. But uh, yeah, so we'll get on that next year. Yeah, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, we'll all we'll all have a butter beer next year. Well, look, it's been your birthdays around this time of year, Michael. We could get something organized. Yeah. <laughs> do do one live from. I don't know. We'll go. We'll go Hogwarts. visit Polish and then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll go to the Harry Potter World, Malta, whatever it's called. I'll just do it between games yeah. of Vino. Hi, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Head back to the room at about nine p.m. Play games, you know. Good respectable time there. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds like a jolly old romp. Mm. After the uh, the Polish posting, um, I think I've read Matt about the Myrtle at this stage, but. I think they come into the the girls' bathrooms and they find her crying. Um, someone threw a book at her head, at which point Harry, of course, takes the diary away of him, starts writing into it, and uh, starts responding back to him. And then Harry uh, meets Tom Riddle, who I think then shows him the sort of shows him like what happened fifty years ago when the Chamber of Secrets opened for the first time, and how Hagrid ended up getting expelled from Hogwarts. Uh, what do we think of this wee sequence? I like it because like Tom's cl- like you, you find out later, but he, he's tricking him. He's making it look like like what everybody thought that it was Hagrid, and he's class. And he you know he he caught the the killer, but actually he's the he's the bad. One. I like it because it it just it just gave like because you haven't really seen Voldemort much right from the first book. He's kind of there and he's talked about and you know he's ahead, right? But here you kind of get more insight on this character, where he's like a sneaky wee, sneaky wee bum, you know, that <laughs> like manipulates people. That's he's very, 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 uh, very cheeky of him. They, um, you know, obviously replay that story and point the blame at Hadrid, Hagrid. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I like this part um, because yeah, it is you know kind of a manipulative part. Like, and I mean. I guess you know, like, you know, when you find a diary and that's been thrown away in a girl's bathroom and it's soaked and then you start writing and somebody writes back, you know, I mean, that should be shooting up red flags. But yeah. Parry, of course, um, I suppose he's that into this case and trying to solve it that he's willing to go to any means. Like, but yeah, I think, um, like, as the whole point of like this, like, you know, obviously Tom Riddle starts to try and, um, finish he like left this memory they like finish the work of Salazar Slovern and kill all the mudbloods in the school but like like the diary is also like you know uh, again spoiler for the future books but it's like a horcrux that they you know end up destroying but like why why has like Voldemort made this thing that's gonna like finish this work but it's actually this life 
I th- I th- thing that he needs to survive. I think she might have retconned it later on, where yeah. it was originally that he left this behind to do that, but then she's like, oh no, wouldn't it be cool if actually... Yeah, that was also. I was also this thing that's keeping him alive, sort of thing. I think. I, yeah, I completely, I was like, completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because why? Why would you? Why would you uh, want someone to find this book if it's yeah part think, of your survival? I think it's more so the the, the part where um, that just just that line where he says to find it, com- complete the work because l- later on I think it's revealed that he gave it to Malfoy to like protect it, not to like give it to someone. So like keep keep it safe sort of thing. So I, mm, I think it was definitely yeah. she retconned the 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 purpose of the book. But I mean it works. I think the, book, the actual reading the book in terms of the audiobook is or listening to the audiobook like explains this a bit more too. I remember always thinking like if this is like a memory, then how does he know who Harry is? But then in the book it tells how Jenny obviously is obsessed with Harry mm-hmm. and like tells Tom Riddle about why Harry is so famous and all that. And then Tom Riddle obviously realizes this is the kid that's going to kill me in the future. Um, or like be the result of my death. So obviously that's why he becomes interested. But I, I never really understood that until I read the book, yeah. listened to the audiobook. But I think, yeah, just like the books, although I love the films, I think listening to the books has just like added so much to the series for me. Uh, yeah, it really does. Like yeah. it, it really fleshes out the words. So oh, yeah. Like. Future books, definitely. Definitely. I like, I like this part too. I like how charismatic tom riddle is and everything and um it starts this trend that will continue in the series where we explore tom riddle's backstory it's not explored in great depth in this book but it kind of is the gateway into exploring it later yeah do you know it was kind of weird so when he goes under the memory tom's not in the room it's like he goes under the memory and he's in the headmaster's like study but he, but Tom yeah. hasn't entered yet. So how does he have a memory of it? It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's like a POV error. Yeah, kind of. It's like it starts with the headmaster reading a letter, and then Tom comes in. <laughs> it's, like, it's magic. Yeah, magic. It's just magic. Magic, <laughs> magic memory. Though. That's all you have to say, really. <laughs> What's that line in The Simpsons where, like, she's like, when when anything you can't uh, can't explain happens, then a wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Once we find out, once we have this sort of scene with uh, uh, Tom Riddle, we then find out that Hermione and someone else have both been petrified. So it's just sort of left to be up to Harry and Ron. Um, so they go to reach Hagrid, but once they sort of get there, the we get introduced actually to the Minister of Magic. Because he shows up quite a lot in uh, future books as well. Cornelius Fudge himself and Lucius who also works at the ministry, come to sort of remove Dumbledore and Haggard from Hogwarts. Haggard because they think he's the one responsible and Dumbledore because they think he's not keeping the school safe. Uh, and then as they're sort of being led away, I think between Haggard and Dumbledore, I think they essentially both like look at Harry and Ron like wink, uh, wink, wink. You know, Haggard says to go to follow the spiders. After that, Harry and Ron sneak into the Forbidden Forest, find the spiders, get speaking to, is it Aragog? I want to say. Aragog. I always go to call yeah, him Aragorn. Yeah, it does. Um, always find it very similar. <laughs> uh, completely different things. They get speaking to him, find out that the massive spider was not the monster um, that killed, killed that person 50 years ago. But they find out, I think they find out who the person that was killed was. 
and they decide it was Mona Myrtle. Uh, at which point they then get chased out of the forest by the the spiders, and they get rescued by the flying car. It's not the monster that killed one girl. 50 years ago, but it's just going to kill these two boys right now. I know. <laughs> They're white gold boys as well. They're just like, oh, aye, that's grand. That makes sense. Like, they just take it at face value. <laughs> and it's another te- terrible plan by Hagrid. I know, I. Do you know what? I, li- I like that, that, that it kind of adds to the, the mystery of Dumbledore where he sort of knows that they're there, even though he doesn't see them, but he knows that they're there somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, help will always be given here. And then Hagrid's just like, um, I follow, somebody should follow spiders and feed, feed me dog as well there, would you? You know, uh, you know how Dumbledore knows. <laughs> how does Canarius Fudge not realise, like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> like, he's supposed to be, he's the Minister of Magic, he's supposed to be like, you know, yeah, I'm, su- I'm assuming he's a pretty good wizard, like, yeah. and pretty smart. <laughs> I think this scene, this chapter is, like, good for, you know, the very important role of making the car the hero, like. Obviously, I was rooting for the car the whole time, so it's good to see it come back here and save the day. The sentient car. Don't don't know. Obviously, you can maybe film in if the car makes any future appearances. It doesn't. No. Though it doesn't. No. Well, lives happily that, ever after. That's the whole series ruined. <laughs> see, there would be any more to add about the big still, spiders. Do you think it's that the car's still out there? The spiders do though. The forest. The car doesn't. I love the Forbidden Forest too, like, you know, obviously it's such, like, obviously named the Forbidden Forest isn't going go in there and I'm pretty sure they go in there in every single book. Multiple times, yeah. 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 I can think of book five, they're in there. Like, I don't know about three and four. I think it's, it's good because of the simplicity of the name, but it's, again, it's like, surely she could have just, like, came up with something a bit more, like, <laughs> it's something a bit better than the Forbidden Forest that they're not allowed to go on there but then they end up going on there all the time it's where you're going to go spend your attention in the big dangerous forest I know why I know why <laughs> unless you're in trouble in which case we're going to put you in there because obviously it's quite dangerous you might die that's just standard Hogwarts crack like well sure Dutton Fulch used to say they used to like chain them upside down and stuff and that he, he, he misses the screaming oh, I miss the scream. means that it wasn't even that long ago because of obviously if he misses it, then it was in his lifetime. And I think I think that was a movie thing. Like, and, uh, yeah, it seems like that might be a better reason to remove Dumbledore, like rather than the you know this these dangerous things happening. Mayor Mayor I hear you put people in the Forbidden Forest for detention. <laughs> uh, I think it's more like hold on, you're not chaining people up. What do you mean, sacked? Disgraceful behaviour. On the spot. Well, see, Cornelius Fudge doesn't even know where he is, I, I think, because he doesn't have a clue what Hagrid was on about. Like, how, how does he not, like, put two and two together? And like, why, why, why is Dumbledore spouting random things and then Hagrid does it as well? Like, plot holes. I think that's one of the lesser ones, to be honest. Uh, ah, magic. Yeah. Just magic stuff, yeah. A, a wizard did it. Just magic. <laughs> Just magic, lads. Do you know what's weird, too? It's, it's kind of more weird later on. It's like, so the governors or whatever, like, right, Dumbledore out. And he's like, oh, no bother, yeah. that's grand. Now people are dying, but are getting petrified, but sure, that's okay, that's fine. But then in later books, when he, when he's told to get out again, he's like, no, uh, absolutely not. And nobody's dying this time. <laughs> or whatever. He's petrified. like, he looks he looks at his watch and he's like, what is it, three, three quarters away through the story? I, I, this is my time to leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just remove the most powerful wizard so Harry can... Still, the limelight again. 
Do you think if like Dumbledore went down, like they fight the snake, he would have just absolutely ruined it in about two minutes? Like, do you think there would have been any, any carry on, or do you think you need Harry to be the like Harry's like this kind of like that lucky that he he beats these people? Like, really, any other wizard would probably get killed by these monsters or whatever Harry's fighting. Mm. Like Harry's just got this obviously this luck about him. You know what I find funny about all these books? It obviously has to happen like this to be like narratively satisfying that uh, Voldemort's evil plan always comes to fruition at the end of the school year. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny if like it just his evil plan was like in the first couple of months and then they're like they just continue free school and be like that was that was mad, wasn't it? That was mad, eh? Because <laughs> we'll just get all the things. Paper exams now. Well, because uh, it happens at the end of the school year and then they go on summer holidays and then the next year happens and it's like everyone's forgot that Harry fucking saved everyone and almost died and it's just like everyone hates him again or that, that was two months ago Harry get over it <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the, like, thir- the third Har- book Michael Harry's- Voldemort doesn't even show up no. oh that's true yeah doesn't. maybe she realised that she's like right well maybe I'll not do that <laughs> uh, again but all the crack happens near the end of the school year <laughs> uh, it's all the best bits I mean yeah I guess it wouldn't be a good book if uh, it all happened at the start and then the book was over after a month. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I mean. It narratively has to happen that way, but yeah. <laughs> it's again just I want to. It's like this book has like coincidence that makes sense that have to happen, but it's just yeah. like set itself up that there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot in this book. I just think uh, I still don't think it's as bad as the first one. I just, we've we shit I've shit on this book a lot. I just want to say I really like this book. I like the characters. He's, he's, going, he's going to read it. <laughs> Flawless masterpiece. I like. <laughs> I like the characters. I like. I like the mystery. Big snake, big spiders, a flying car. That's also sentient. Fuck, good old fun time. Good old romp. It's got a bit of everything. Like it's, it's got all yeah. the all the necessities that you need for a good book. Sets up a lot, as we said, for the future of the series. Yeah. Sexually deviant ghosts. All all the things that you want. <laughs> Um, well we've heavily heavily touched on what happens at the end here already Um, but yeah so after the debacle in the forest um, somehow Harry and Ron find a piece of paper in Hermione's hands that no one else has found (laughs) in the (laughs) months previous (laughs) and if so they just they literally just lumped her up to that bed and just dropped her there. Don't even do nothing else. Just, <laughs> didn't clean her once. Like, don't, don't, like, <laughs> don't like 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 check to see has she got any other injuries or like anything. Like just plopped her on. That's just lay there. She sacked like she just let, just leave her like grand. <laughs> so they find out. <laughs> find out it's a basket. Um, and they hear that they overhear a brochure. Jenny Weasley's been taken into the Chamber of Secrets. Is this a is this a bit unsatisfying though? The Hermione has the thing because it means the mystery was solved off screen or off yeah. off page. Uh, weeks beforehand, by the signs of it. No, it was. I think yeah. it was the same day that they went to Hagrid. Oh, was it? Oh, I was like, I think yeah, it was the same day, oh, sorry. and that's why they were going to Hagrid like straight away because yeah. they were like. Or no, Harry was going there, and they heard Hermione was in the hospital. Ah, sorry, I'm getting confused. I think she like, spent. Oh, Harry wouldn't have done that. I think after she turned in the cat, she spent months in the hospital. That's where I'm getting mixed up. That too, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just yeah, it's it's lazy writing. I think that's it's just well, see, oh, yeah, rat, that, magically solved. Yeah, so I think I think there's something like Hermione says, "Oh, I'll be back in a minute. I just need to go and check something." 
Like she's figured it out, but she hasn't told him yet. And then she goes away to check it, and then she gets petrified then. So it's even less yeah. satisfying than being off screen because it was on screen, but yeah. the character who figured it out just doesn't tell us. Yeah. I think yeah. that it was this book. Like that, that it might have been some other plot in one of the other books that that happened, but I think it was this. Eh? Maybe right. And there's another. No, that is how it happened. Another bit here, which is a bit. Not stupid, but like, you know, the secret passages in the bathroom they spent half the book in, you know. Um, <laughs> I know why. <laughs> not one of them. Well, I suppose why would Harry start chatting to the taps in Parseltongue? But um, so Harry, Ron, and Professor Lockhart climb down into the chamber's secrets. Um, Lockhart's secrets comes out and he tries to curse Ron, that ends up giving himself a memory charm or erasing his own memory. Um, and then, which conveniently leaves Ron and Lockhart essentially locked up um, under like a pile of rubble. So it's only Harry who can go and fight the final boss. He walks in. <laughs> he walks in. He finds Jenny, and he, he he meets Tom Riddle in person. So what do we think about those uh, those wee moments? Do you know, I like I like that the the t- like. When they find out that Jenny's been taken and they're like hiding in the staff room and all the staff are like, oh, we need to get all the Waynes home before there's any more you know, people taken or whatever. Aye. And it's too late for Jenny. She's been. I know. I, Lock, <laughs> Lockhart bombs on and he's all like, oh, I'll sort it. And they're all like, oh, you can sort it out, sure. You're like, you, you were saying, you know, where the entrance is and they're like, oh, you sort it out. And he's like, uh, right. <laughs> Let me just go get ready. And that's how they, they get him out of the way. I thought that was quite funny. Like, they all know he's terrible, but they just want rid of him because he's. Yeah. <laughs> nah, everybody's aware. I do think like... everything, everything in the chamber with Lockhart is really good as well. Like especially after he yeah. loses his memory, it's pretty funny. Even though it's it's kind of messed up when we go into the future ramifications of this man's life and what's left of it. But but he's done it to loads of people, so I know he deserved yeah, he it. Does. Like and his whole life is built upon. Doing that. Yeah, that that scene in the fifth book is is very sad. <laughs> Even so, yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, um, and then well, we've we've essentially summarized the entire final fight already in the past. How are we even speaking about Harry? Yeah, the the fox comes and blinds the basilisk. Harry uses the sword that yeah, yeah there's a the sorting hat comes in as well and the sorting hat has a sword in it the sort of yeah Gryffindor Harry uses it to kill the basilisk which is one of its weaknesses the sword yeah I suppose that's one thing we didn't really touch on I think sorry go ahead oh I was just gonna say and then Jenny wakes up he destroys the diary then Jenny wakes up yeah just one thing to point out like the reason that Jenny's down there at all is because Tom Riddle's trying to absorb her life force. I think that's yeah. important to point out. He's trying to like absorb the life force so he can be, Why, be alive. Question on this: Why don't he do this sooner? It's good. It's a good question. I think through the diary. Like why? Why did? Why did he use her to do all the things rather than just absorb her life force straight away and then come back and do it himself? I think maybe it's a case that because like, she was possessed and stuff, right? So I think. It's like he needs to fully possess her, and she's like, you know, takes yeah. time or something. I don't know. It's, it's a good one point, of them though. spells that it, it takes a full school year exactly to uh, well, <laughs> manifest. Well, she it, it was going sweet, and then she started like resisting him, and then she threw away the diary. So it's Jenny's fault that it lasted full. Yeah, 
but uh yeah i thought the i thought the climax was pretty good harry kills a big snake what's not to like yeah, there's a big snake that's dead it's class big old snake a snake i'm a snake and it's good. Uh, yeah pretty good <laughs> Not much more to say on it. Move on to Star Raid, will we? Yeah, well. <laughs> I suppose the last few bits is just uh, Dobby getting freed as well, so. Oh, I Dobby gets freed. Oh, yeah, freed. we forgot to talk about that. As Redemption Arc begins Harry there. tricks Malfoy by putting a sock inside the book and giving it back to Malfoy, who then, being a scummy, posh wanker, throws it to his sleeve, <laughs> <laughs> which has. <laughs> <laughs> so he th- throws it to Dobby and Dobby opens it and there's a sock and that's the only way you can free a house elf from servitude so, and then Harry's like mmm face <laughs> and Lucius is straight up gonna kill him like which is always, it's always weird like cause uh, that, that's his breaking point in the film and the movie I just go to say yeah go ahead Jesus. he goes to say a cadaver doesn't he in the middle of saying it. He's about to say it, yeah. He used to kill curse, like <laughs> He's about to murder a child, like, two feet away from Dumbledore. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's definitely got all her servants as well. <laughs> like, and he could definitely buy a new one. No, no sweat if he didn't. It's weird. It's funny how Harry, too, obviously hasn't changed and only gives the dirtiest, like, at the, in the book, it's like a big dirty, slimy sock. He's like, <laughs> even though, and then, doesn't, doesn't Dobby, like, still have the sock then on, like, the future picks? Uh, he, like, yeah. he wears it all the time and has, hasn't washed anyone. Classic Harry. Classic. So, uh, that's us finished our spoiler review of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, book two of the Harry Potter saga. saga. Um, I would like to just move on to, I think I'll just go to Michael again, keep the same order as before. Uh, Michael, if you could give us your, your star rate for the book. You know what else is weird? Just final thoughts. Like, at the end, Dumbledore pure, like, goes to Malfoy. He's like, I know you done that. But, but he doesn't get him, like, arrested or anything. I don't know why. They basically, like, hunt that the Malfoy, like, Lucius was, like... I, like, I like, fully know that basically, he did that. <laughs> I almost caused Jenny to killed and Voldemort to return... But the other just like, oh, sure. If that happens again, we'll get on the end. Like, even though <laughs> you were a you were a follower of Voldemort, you know, um, ten years ago, and now you're trying to murder children. Like, we'll let it slide again. But next time, you're done for, pal. You get well, you get one more Lucius, <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as Dumbledore has given this extra chance, he's about to murder Harry. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's one second away from doing it. Star rating. Star rating. I give mine now. I go back to you first. Yeah. I go. Yeah. So as I said at the beginning of this episode, uh, I do believe this is the weakest book in the Harry Potter series. I think we've gone over extensively that there's a lot of coincidences in this book. Um, I find a lot of the characters who were introduced here annoying, at least in this installment. I thought, while I do come to like characters like Dobby later find him quite annoying especially at the start of this book i find lockhart very overbearing there was just about too much of him i I said there was parts where he was good but the core of the book is still there you know it's still a great story for it's still great development of harry ron and hermione's friendship um i think it's a great book for ron ron is really good in this book 
Um, I think the mystery is pretty compelling. The only the only issue I had with it, again, I touched on in our review, was that it's a bit episodic. It's a bit there's a bit of a formula going on, and again, it's not a bad thing to use a formula. I don't think, but it's just that Harry Potter became something more than than using a formula. It became something that evolved with each book and there was a lot of consequence and there just wasn't that much consequence here it set up a lot of stuff it still had a good atmosphere i i was always always point out emma i love horror and there's definitely horror themes in this of like big snakes big spiders creepy atmosphere dungeons you know i like all that stuff it was a good time uh and i think so i'm going to give my floor here for what my floor is in the harry potter series uh, which i believe is a four star i think that is our good book rating. I think that every single Harry Potter book is at least a good book. Yeah. So this is the the lowest rating I'll be given any Harry Potter book. Four stars. What about The Cursed Child? What would you rate that? Read that? I have not seen or read that. Yeah, sorry. Right. Am I right in saying <laughs> you've seen the play? No, I want to see the play. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks for that, Michael. Um, Stephen? Would you like to give us your rating, please? Yeah, I think I think I'm also going to go with a four. Um, it's it's like I I gave Philosopher's Stone a four, and it's it's better. It's not as good as Philosopher, but it's not any. It's not it's not enough. Like it's not as good enough. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not <laughs> worse enough to give it like less. Right. So, so this is like. It's like Philosopher was a four point one, and this is a three point yeah, nine. So, something like, like that, yeah. Round yeah, one. yeah so. I think, but yeah, I like, I kind of like it more. It's definitely the weakest of all the the, the books, but I, I I like it more of because of what it, it kind of contributes. Like Michael was saying, like there's so many different, uh, you know, bits and pieces that that feature more so in, in, in later in the series, like the Polygus and the Vanishing Cabinet and X, Y, and Z. So I, I appreciate it more for that, but as a story, I think it's just good. I agree with what Michael and Stephen said. Um, probably the weakest but book in the series, but uh, still in the general book sense, it's still quite a good book. Um, so I'm going to go with a four as well. Um, yeah, I liked the, the whole snake thing, as I mentioned before. Um, I liked the Tom, the Tom Riddle mystery and kind of the whole him blaming Hagrid and uh, manipulating Jenny Weasley and stuff like that um, but yeah there's a few annoying characters I think brought it down a bit and again too many coincidences and stuff like that um, it's alright to have some of these coincidences but yeah just this book was just filled with them and of course there's quite vulgar language as well in this one you know Draco Malfoy dropping the M-bomb a few times <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was a bit too much for me um, so cheers um I, I think I'm just going to go slightly lower. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 for my star rating. I definitely feel this is the weakest um, book and the weakest film. I know we're not judging it based on the film, but I do find I don't find it boring, but I just think I think it's still definitely a children's book at this stage. And I much prefer the later books when it moves into slightly more adult themes. Um, so I'm just going to give it a 3.5 for Harry Potter 2. Gasp. I think that's that's fair enough. Actually, I don't think it's the weakest movie, you know. Oh, no. But I do think it's the weakest book. I hate the I movie. Think, I, th- I, I think it is the weakest movie as well. For me, it goes reverse chronological, but 1 and 2 are swapped. I would, I would give the movie like a proper like 2 out of fucking 
find it so boring. Half Blood Prince is my one of my favorite books on the series, but one of my least favorite movies. Oh, the movie's so good, though. Do you think so? Uh. <laughs> Just the way that went down. I love. I love. You're saying I, you don't like it, and then Stephen's like, "I put, but it's lethal." Why, why, why do you not like the movie? I need to. I need to revisit it, Stephen. But I just remember. I remember coming out of the cinema, and it was the only time a Harry Potter movie had disappointed me. It's because you know what? Actually, the fifth film is better than the sixth. Maybe that's why. Because like, mm, I need to revisit it. They know specifically why. Mm. We'll get there. Well, see you in four years' time. Yep. Uh, I mean, is there any point in chatting about comparisons to other media? I think we've sort of dropped in the books nah. enough in the movies. That's Wizards. like Rivers of London now. Nah. It's good. Oh, I wonder that J.K. Rowling ripped that off. You think so? It's actually very summary a book that I was going to recommend for the next one, but I'm now I'm not going to. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be against it. Let's just do the lot. It's a little known title called The Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> I would be against Glass and Three. The Cursed Child. Cursed Child. What did you say, Jason? I said I would be against Glass and Three because I've never actually listened to them, but we'll we'll keep it an anniversary special. You can still do it, like. I know, but I just hate re- I hate rereading books. <laughs> At least if I've done them recently. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on to trivia. Yeah, trivia. Um, I've already touched on the uh, famous uh, writer's block. Has anyone else got any other trivia for Chamber of Secrets? Yeah, I've, I've got I've got some that kind of links in with what Michael was saying about the Half Blood Prince. So, funnily enough, the original title for the book was going to be the Half Blood Prince. So she changed it because, like, apparently she felt they gave too much away. Of the plot, um, but like you, you can see, so and she was gonna also introduce like different uh, aspects that came into it in the sixth book, and you can you can kind of see remnants of that different places, like with the vanishing cabinet, and like that scene in Nocturne Alley where Draco's there, he he buys or he he notices a few items that eventually reappear in the sixth book, like the hand of glory and the necklace and stuff, um. And obviously Horcruxes and everything. So so you can see sort of remnants of where she was going with it originally. But I just think it's interesting that that's the way she's going to do it first. She's going to front load all the the more adult stuff. Which yeah, I think is interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, didn't, I never knew that. No, I didn't know that. I'm actually surprised at that. I didn't know until I was looking up trivia this, earlier on. I'm glad she didn't do it. Glad you didn't do it more adult. Uh, even though I've just scored the second book down for being a bit of a children's book, I do appreciate that they mature as the audience and like the actual characters mature. You know, yeah. I think yeah, they went definitely. too too hard too soon. Like it would have been would have been hard to sort of up the ante. Yeah. Every other book. Uh, I also saw somewhere that Gilderoy Lockhart is based on an ex boyfriend of hers. <laughs> so she just pure blasted him <laughs> in the books. Uh, he must have been up by massive twat. Huh? Must have been, yeah. She she Taylor Swifted her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous, Michael. Are you sure you want to be you want to be bringing their fan base against us? <laughs> I, think, I think they'll come with us, Jason. 
we'll, we'll accept the, the Swifties. Yeah, I know. Is that what they call themselves? Uh, you're right. Correct. Right. I think before now, or just because this is, we're going to end actually talking about the book, is a good time to bring up, obviously, when we did the first book, um, the actor who plays Hagrid, Robbie Coltrane, had just died. And oh. now, doing the second book, uh, the actor who played Dumbledore from the third movie onwards, Michael Gambon, had just died. So we're we're a bit we're a bit cursed. <laughs> <laughs> My controversial movie opinion is that I preferred the first Dumbledore. That's controversial. <laughs> oh no, not me. Hey, I prefer him as I prefer him as an actor and all her stuff, but not not for Dumbledore. He's, he was a bit too nice or something. Like I think Michael Gammon had this like weird kind of. He was almost a bit like rough to Harry and all sometimes. All the way, he yeah. was nice as well, but like the first one was, he was too like soft spoken. I think I think Richard Harris would have uh, struggled with the future of the series and the condition he was in. But I really liked the the magical yeah. and mysterious aura I thought he had in the first couple of movies. I just I preferred that, but I can I can definitely see he was very he was very stereotypical wizard like the way he looked like he looked he looked like a you know a cartoon wizard or the way you would picture. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, I know that was the way they make up them up. They look like, but like then Michael Gambon's Dumbledore looked completely different. Like he, he dressed different and had like a different length beard. And was there not something about um, because he, I think Ian McKellen was supposed to was was asked to take over from him instead of Michael Gambon, like originally, and uh, Ian McKellen turned it down because Richard Harris right, didn't uh, like him or something. Sure, some good trivia tonight, Stephen. Something like yeah. that. I think there's, there's something like that. I can't. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I would just assume it was Gandalf related. Yeah, I would have thought like yeah, didn't want to be a wizard in every single movie typecast. Well, yeah. Was this was the third one before Fellowship? Yeah, third one. Fellowship. Then they. They all came out two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Uh, I think I got Azkaban was two thousand four, right. was it? Yeah. So yeah. I love the the change between the like the first and second one are like so light like light and magical, and then the third one is just like it gets so dark all of a sudden. And it's on red, and like obviously it's not to do with the change in Dumbledore or whatever, but director change is what I, director yeah, I was change as well. Yeah, uh, your man he he wanted to do more yeah darker, and then it just kind of followed that. Then. <laughs> yeah, I suppose as they get older as well, it makes sense. It, no, I mean like the way that the films change, it definitely. That's where, like, the way the yeah. books change as well, I think. Yeah. Um, anybody consuming anything else? Anybody listening or doing anything good at the moment? Uh, I'm watching... <laughs> me and Sarah are watching Big Brother <laughs> and, uh, for my sons. Dear. It's <laughs> your summer. next book, 1984, uh, Stephen? Let me see. <laughs> How did you know, Michael? <laughs> yeah. All or not, though, we, we've watched a good few, like, shows recently. Um, I know I'm going to plug Disney Plus again, unfortunately. I know I've done it so many times in other episodes, but we watched uh, the series Hijack with Idris Elba on uh, on uh, Apple TV, and it was uh, it was actually... Did I say Disney Plus? You said Disney Plus, sorry, you did. Uh, I meant Apple TV, sorry. I meant Apple TV, sorry. Apple yeah. TV. So uh, it's got Idris Elba on it, and it's it's actually class, like, so well done. There's, I think there's about eight episodes. Heard really good things, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it was really, it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, Apple TV just delivering banger after banger. <laughs> and then the next show that we watched we, a couple of days ago, actually, uh, what was it called now? It's got Sean Bean in it. It's a BBC. Uh, it's on iPlayer. Is it the prison? Uh, prison? Day? No, I don't. Well, that's spoilers. 
the prison one, I uh, Time, it's called, uh, uh, which it was also really good. Uh, I would definitely recommend that. There's there's only three episodes, but they're all about an hour long. What else? Don't know if I was saying on the last episode. I'm playing through all the Pokemon's, uh, mimicking what Johnny was doing last year. I think, <laughs> I think it was. I'm currently playing through Emerald. Oh yeah, loving nice it. Nice one. Hundred percent, hundred percented crystal. Found the Pokedex. They ring. Yeah. Took me so long. Did <laughs> you get Selby? And I, I had to cheat Selby, and uh, not cheat uh, like I had to cheat the event to happen because obviously you can't. because uh, uh, that's the only thing I don't like is like there were Pokemon. I know that it was supposed to be because Pokemon was originally created for like this whole social thing of the whole trading and being at these gatherings and all. But obviously that'll happen yeah. like mostly in Japan or like places that that aren't Ireland. So um, yeah, I felt like we missed out on that, and then I wish like you yeah. know they would like make a way for people to get it some other way in the game. Yeah. Like, I, I had a cheat Celebi in, but for the rest of them, like, what I was able to, because I'm playing it on an emulator, but, like, link up the, the other games in a separate emulator window, <laughs> and you can you can do, like, trade that way. So. Like, the Celebi one should have been, like, once you get the rest of them, then you unlock, like, a yeah. special event or something it's like that. It's, like, the, the reward for completing the Pokedex. Yeah. See, I think in the Japanese yeah. version, it is, it is just available. Like something they had something weird. Like oh, this was when like mobile phones were starting to get big, especially over there. And they had like a mobile thing you could connect to. You can connect your like Game Boy to your phone through your phone to the internet or something, and you can get Celebi that way. But obviously, it didn't come over when they like translated the game and everything. So that that part was left behind, annoyingly. But yeah, a hundred percent of that took me forever. I think I had like a hundred and one hours or something in the game. <laughs> And halfway through, I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but yeah, doing Emerald Nice. Nice. Um, Michael, Johnny, you up too much? Go for it, Michael. Uh, yeah, I'll go next then. Um, I was talking last episode about uh, Ted Lasso Season 2, how cheesy I thought it was. Uh, continued on to Season 3, and I have to say, I think it is really good. I thought Season <laughs> 3 was really, really a step upwards, and I was actually shocked to find that the sentiment <laughs> online is that season two was really good and season three was a step down because I think the writing is the writing and acting is so much better in season three and the storylines. There are cheesy moments still, but like because of the because of the good writing that you know I can accept them a lot more, the storylines. I thought I it's actually very heartfelt the third season and that the genuine moments actually got me a bit more emotional. I thought what, it was what do you think of Zaba? That was what I was alluding to. These still cheesy storylines, but <laughs> it was it's fun, it's funny as well. I wonder yeah, he's based like, on. They're, they're like all based on like real players. Yeah, I know. Another one is uh, what a podcast that I'm I'm consuming that was actually recommended on this show by somebody. It is short history of. Oh. Um, I think I believe it was Jonathan recommended it. It was. I still uh, listen to it. Greta and yeah, Greta and I. Are both listening to it. I'm actually discussing the episodes. Podcast idea. <laughs> it's uh it's really good storytelling. It's really, I, I love how general it is, how wide sweeping it is, how every episode has its own focus point, and it's just so it's told just like a story, like the Pompeii episode, telling like for what it would have been like to be in the town and everything. I find that so intense, and I was like, this is just this is great because this is how I want history to be. 
I want it to be like a story and and I was I listened to the space race followed by the moon landing episode. That's actually the moon landing episode. It was like this haunting, swelling music. It makes you kind of appreciate what people would have been seeing and everything. It's just a, it's a really really good podcast. It's up there. So it's like really immersive, like. Yeah, yeah. I love like the like they like, say like it's like say the Pompeii one, and they're like talking about like say like Pompeii and like uh, markets. They'll play like we like background music of like a market, you know, people chattering and stuff. And uh, I think it just it just really adds yeah. to the effect. You feel you feel immersed, like you're there. And I just think yeah, See, it's just yeah. anyone that loves or likes even has any remote interest in history or you know talks about everything to it, like talks about specific people for history as well. Like there's like one on Amelia Hart and stuff like that. That's it's all different things. But uh, yeah, it's like every episode is just focused on this one thing and just gives you this brief uh, overview of what happened at this time or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's just a great, yeah. great podcast. Yeah, see, it, it sounds like I would like it, but then the, the immersive noises, I don't think, I don't, I see, I don't like that in audiobook, so I don't know if that would be a deal I think it, for me. I think I it's might give it a go. better in the podcast format. Like, I agree, it doesn't, it doesn't suit audiobooks, but I think for for bite size things it's more tolerable um i uh yeah i think it's the only thing that has been able to scratch my dan carlin itch i think they're almost yeah they're up there anyway as storytellers with dan carlin uh they don't go in there as much depth as he does but they go into a greater breadth because obviously they can they can cover an, an episode every week and then the last thing i wanted to talk about is something that i'm consuming with and this is going to sound like an ad, but it's not. One thing that I have purchased recently, I've never had like an expensive set of headphones and I wanted like noise cancelling headphones to give them a try. So I got the, like the Bose QC 45s. Really, really good. Really comfortable. Block out the sound amazing. Like I wanted something I could like walk across heavy traffic with, but still be immersed not, in what I'm hearing. And, and, hear and, not, and not hear the car that's about to hit you. Because you're you're too immersed and you're yeah. you're too immersed. <laughs> well, I I I, t- I give I put them to the ultimate test and I walked over the foil bridge, which is extremely noisy. You, I've never been able to hear anything on any headphones, so it's like this is the test for these headphones. I walked over. You can still hear the cars. It's like being inside another car. You can still sort of hear them, but it's you can definitely hear what you're listening to. So I no longer have to pause books or music when I'm beside traffic i can just continue listening to what i'm listening to they're really really good um i do recommend them it's basic like you don't need an expensive set of headphones but if you like i do i listen to two at least two hours a day if you calculate that over a year that's a month a year if you calculate that over waking hours that's a month and a half a year so a month and a half in a year i I spend listening to audiobooks i mean i want comfortable I want comfortable headphones and I think it, it's worth the money in that regard based on how much time I spent. So it's, I, I would say it's entirely individual whether you should invest money in something like this or it's, you know, it's, it's how much it would add to your life. It's the fact that it makes a month and a half of my life a lot better. I thought and it was uh, worthy. It was worth I, spending the money. I'm, I'm sure if, if anyone from Bose is listening and wants to give us a few free pairs and we'll try them out. You know, don't be afraid. <laughs> Good try, yeah. Good try. If you want to, if you want to throw us some retroactive sponsorship money, we we will accept reluctantly. But yeah, that's everything for me. Yeah, Johnny, you up to much? 
I um so I finished the I was, last time I said I was rewatching Breaking Bad. Been going through a thing on shows where watching a season of this show, moving on to a different one, watching a season of it, coming back, kind of like that. Usually, if it's three kind of shows in a rotation, so finished the first season of Breaking Bad there and moved on to watching Yellowstone. If anybody's have heard of it, it's like a basically modern cowboys. Um, whenever I if you've watched Westworld, like I I remember the first season of Westworld, I was just like. This is one of the best things I've ever seen. And of course, we know then it went downhill for a second. So good. But yeah. I, I, I've always wanted like to watch. I, I know Westworld is obviously like a modern kind of thing, um, which you know that's like a simulated world of cowboys. But I would like an actual cowboy show. So so far, so good. Um, I've only watched like the first four episodes, but apparently it gets really, really good. Then the later seasons, like there's four seasons out. Um, but yeah, people rant and rave about it. Like so, um, yeah, I have high hopes for it, and hopefully, it's what I've been looking for. In terms of a good cowboy show. You should check out Deadwood too if you ever get a chance. That's another one I hear yeah. highly rated cowboy one, show. I think there's one HBO. too. It's, it's, it's like a year. I think it's like 1857 or something like that. Is it, it's, it's supposed to be one like that. Yeah, I think there's a Deadwood film as but well. Yeah, that could be worth... What was it, sir? I think there was a Deadwood movie as well. All right. Uh... Yeah. Um, I've been listening to... Uh, an audiobook, the one you've brought up before, you have brought up before. Uh, I glad my mum died, and That's good, isn't it? so far, yeah, um, it's absolutely brilliant. Like I think, well, I'll, if none of you recommend it, I will bring it up sometime in this podcast. Um, but yeah, it's it's an absolute fantastic book so far. Like it's so funny, but it's like also so tragic at the same time. It's just yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've been listening to that and. Yeah. So I would usually use Spotify. I mean, Audible uh, as our, like, you know, I think most of us use Audible, but Spotify, which I have a premium membership for as well, give you with your premium membership. And this again is not an advertisement. I'm just bringing this up for you guys <laughs> to know that they give you 15 hours of with premium of listening time to audiobooks uh, each month, so you can listen to up to. I meant to hours. bring that up in use, but I forgot about it because that well, is a big audiobook thing. Yeah. It's actually good because they have like they have like all the best or like you know the top audiobooks. Like I don't th- their collection isn't as big as Audible's, but like they have all like you know the main ones, and that's where I'm listening to that Jeanette McCarthy one, just so I don't have to use a, a token. Uh, you know, you get your monthly credits on uh, Audible, so it is good for that because then it means I can like have a wee kind of side book because I would only probably then get that 15 hours because I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I would only get enough time to listen to the audiobook that we do for this, and then maybe one more each month. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of very good for me, but I think it's yeah it's good because like the it's kind of added no cost to the Spotify membership. So um, yeah, it's quite a good thing. Um, but I've been listening to that now loads of podcasts. The uh, one that I want to recommend is the rest is football. Um, for any football fans, it's a uh, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, and Mika Richards. Uh, basically the match of the day crew. Um, and it's just it's absolutely hilarious. Anyone that's on the football, like it's just them free kind of, you know, because obviously match of the day and stuff like that. It's on BBC and they can't curse and all. And this year they just kind of like all, you know, all hats are off. Like they're just Alan Shearer basically says the F word in every sentence. Like it's, it's just kind of you get to see more behind the scenes and they talk about kind of what things were like when they were like grew, like going through football and all and stuff like that. And they just have like a lot of crack on it and stuff. But it's. uh yeah, it's a really, really good podcast and just started there too. But um, yeah, I've been kind of listening to a lot of that as well to catch up to where, where it's at now. So I'm up to date with that. And then finally, the uh, gaming ways, the new Forza game came out. So I have like the actual steering wheel and the pedals and stuff like that you can actually use, you know, for actual racing games. Um, so I've been playing a lot of that. Like it's quite good. The graphics on it are absolutely fantastic. 
Um, so I've been playing that now. I only came out there a couple of days ago. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of everything I've been doing. Nice. Um, I have finally finished Jedi Survivor after all this time. Uh, I've I came out in like April, I think. And that's me finally getting around to finishing it, but just in time because the new Spider-Man game is officially released in like two hours. So. Spider-Man. Yeah. Nice. Looking forward to that. I don't really think I've been up to much else. I've watched a bit of The Wire. I watched that new Beckham documentary. Uh, it was really good, actually. I had no interest in watching it. But we just stuck it on. And Everybody actually, in my office is talking really about good. that documentary. Yeah. What, what is it? The, I heard something about David Beckham that he's like grown or something. Is that? Uh, <laughs> that I haven't even heard about this, so what, what is it? There's a new David Beckham documentary. Oh, I thought you said I. <laughs> I thought you said baking, as in like cooking. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you said David Beckham. <laughs> no, Beckham. Oh, I seen. I seen. There's a good clip from it where she's on about uh, uh, Victoria's on about like being. Is it like per when she was younger or something? Or like, yeah, working class. Or like yeah. that. And then he's like, he goes, "What what car did your dad drive to you in school?" And it's like, well, I can't remember what she says. Like under like underprivileged or something like that. She calls herself working class. And then I work David Beckham, yeah. he's like, what car did you drive? What car did your dad drive? And then she won't answer, and then she goes, <laughs> okay. He drove me to school in the Rolls Royce. Like, right. <laughs> he just goes thinking and he leaves. <laughs> Dead on. Working class. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's about... His chauffeur drove me to school in the Rolls Royce. No, the dad. The dad, at least. I know, but like, <laughs> may as well have said that. I know. A Rolls Royce to begin with. like Crazy. Her nickname was Posh. I know. Like. It's crazy. Like. <laughs> I think that's a lot of, well, it's a rabbit hole we can get into, but I think that's a lot of like rich success. People like to sort of make themselves out to be from a, a poorer background than yeah. they necessarily were. Yeah, like I, bu- I, bu- I built this myself as opposed to yeah. I got my daddy paved my way. Yeah. A lot of them be sneaky about it too, where it's like they're, they, they started a company but their dad gave them some, like, you know, investment money. <laughs> like, millions of pounds worth of investment sort of thing. So yeah. they didn't really do it themselves. They'll say they started from nothing, but it's like, yeah, I got, I started with a million pound. I know why. Sneaky. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad starting money, like. Yeah. I would take it, like. No. Yeah. So, I would. If I start. <laughs> We'd have, if John would give it to me, like. I'm mean, like, happy days. Thank you, John. Here's That'll get all the knights beating up criminals. <laughs> Going to invest this straight back into the podcast. <laughs> get myself a new pair of boss be. headphones. Yes, <laughs> studio. Right, so we move on to plugs here. Has anyone got any plugs? Remember, this will be our second biggest episode ever, so <laughs> make sure you plug what you got. Uh, I'll go uh, for the usual, my YouTube um just kind of releasing kind of things every month, just programming videos. Um, I started a new job a few months ago and I've kind of been more immersed in that, but I'm hoping they get a bit more free time now um, to go back to doing a few more videos. Um, but yeah, um, still plugging away at it, so that will be linked in the, the notes. What's the YouTube called? It is called Computational Poetry. Good. Michael, Stephen, any plugs? Nah. Nothing. I also started a new job, but that's just just wanted to bring it up, really. <laughs> Not the plug off the back. Of I also, in addition to this podcast, I do a horror podcast called The Dark Tales. It's a 
short horror fiction, The Event Interest, uh, and checking that out. I've recently released three Halloween episodes, uh, Doorways, Something Good to Eat, Parts 1 and 2. By the time this episode comes out, there'll be another two, Masks of Halloween, Part 1 and 2. Um, check them out if you want us, uh, if you want to check out some horror short stories. I enjoyed the, enjoyed the Something Good to Eat one I listened to there the other day. That was, was a good one. Have a, no, haven't got right to it one yet. that that uh, may or may not be based on. No, that will be the that, we... that'll be the there's the masks of Halloween episodes are both even though they're two separate parts the two parts are also split into two different stories so that's actually four stories it's the second story of the second part that'll be that but well, you let me know because I want I want to I want to hear that one <laughs> yeah also do a fantasy podcast on a fantasy book that I wrote uh, Soulbonder. Haven't updated it in a while because I got so distracted with the Dark Tales. I think I'm going to try and split my time more evenly between them after I get the Halloween episodes out and try and get the rest of it up. Uh, so we'll see how, how that goes. Uh, I'll put the both both those links in the description if you want to check them out. I'm also working on a book that I talked about earlier in this show still. It's uh, called Carlin Rowe. It's a ghost story. Now that I'm rewriting it, there's points where I'm like, this is this is simply genius, Michael. This is amazing. And then there's other times where I'm like, this is complete and utter shit. This will never be published. This is awful. So I'm mixing between those two extremes almost every day. And I hear that's a very typical editing process for even, you know, people in the industry. That That's that sort of self-loathing but, or self-congratulating. You kind of go between the both. The way that I feel better about that is I once heard David Bowie saying that he created all his best songs when he was in this state of self-doubt. So I realized that hating yourself is just part of the process. So I just try to ignore that and continue to write. But yeah, hopefully I can get that out sometime soon. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Good luck, Michael. Um, Thank you. So I think I think that's my, my hosting duties over. So I'm going to pass it over to Stephen. For our next pick. Oh. Yeah, I, I was supposed to do this episode, but Jason kindly stepped in to do it for me. So thank you. Um, okay, so next pick. I had a lot of difficulty picking the next book. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to, to do. I had a diff- couple of different ones floating about that I had either just read or wanted to read or whatever. But none of them seemed to like be a good pick because they were too similar to like this book or you know Harry Potter or we've done something similar before or I just didn't <laughs> I didn't want to put you through something that I would like and I thought you wouldn't like so um, I had a hard time picking but in the end and it's, it's actually quite funny because I, I just noticed that there we have in the spreadsheet that we use there's actually like a requests tab that I forgot about and my pick is one of those so Coincidentally, so um, um, my pick is going to be Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne, narrated by Tim Curry. Ooh, nice. So, there we go. It's it's also, by the way, free with uh, Audible this month, so I think it's actually just an Audible original, so it's always free, but there you go. Nice. Oh, nice one. Even better. Spare credit this month. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, recommended by Tom for, that I used to work with. So, cheers, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Just, just shout out to you, Tom, if you're listening. Well, I didn't, I didn't pick it because of his recommendation. It's just a coincidence. It was all Tom. There's no need to. <laughs> it was all Tom. Like, I mean, do you know what? 
I don't want to do that book now. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're doing the hedge wizard. <laughs> no. I just realised that we didn't actually talk about Stephen Fry narrating the last book, but I guess, Michael, you can do a fuller and say that's the usual business with Stephen Fry, I'm sure. Uh, we don't Jason even hated him. We all loved him. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can just cut <laughs> him with Johnny slobbering over Stephen's... Uh, just, just literally just take what we've said about him before and just paste it on there. <laughs> <laughs> Are we doing guesses for that book, or...? I mean, yeah. If you want, if you want to do guesses, I've like, seen uh, the movie, like, so we can uh, go for it. If you want to do guesses, do go ahead. I, I don't know if I've seen the movie or if it's some fever dream from my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen parts of the movie. I've seen the trailer Not for the, the movie. Fraser one, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think I've seen parts of it too. If you want to do a guess, go go for it. I God. guess that they journey to the center of the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> And then what happens? Brendan Fraser's there. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think that'll, that'll do us for this one. I think, I think, uh, I think there's a T-Rex. So thanks for li- there might uh, be a T-Rex. I, I, it's basically I'm a big sure. world inside the world. Right, that's my Johnny. point. I win. <laughs> Johnny, just oh, okay. Damn it. <laughs> right, um, that'll do us. Thanks, thanks for listening. Before we sign off, should we just say acknowledge the podcast that we've been doing this a year <laughs> now? And, um, you know, work. I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm extremely surprised at how many people listen to and download this podcast. I don't know if the listeners are very interested in stats, but we get we get about a couple of hundred listens per episode at least. Uh, it seems so. You know, I was wasn't expecting that. We don't really market the show or anything. We just kind of uh, we just you know we just kind of wanted to do it for fun, and if it grew, it grew, and it sort of has organically. I think the best thing that we probably did was doing the Harry Potter episode as our first episode, even though it became a behemoth and it's over, it's overshadowed our the rest of our episodes by some amount. It's still, it's still what it seems to be how people find our podcast. So it's like the perfect trailer for us. If we didn't do it for that intention, we did it because we love the Harry Potter books and we love to talk about them. But it's just worked out as a good thing for helping people find our podcast. And for everybody who stuck around and listened to all the episodes, uh, we're really thankful for it. It's, you know, it's amazing that so many people do listen to it. I always tell everybody that, you know, I can't believe that this many people listen to this podcast that we do do for fun. It's, it is amazing. And, you know, we appreciate it so much that everybody's downloading and listening. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't know the stats uh, was, was that many. And I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. Do we get any comments is what I'm wondering about because i haven't heard anything we do not get any active engagement right now i think you probably need to be uh, getting the thousands per episode before you start getting emails and things like that so yeah it might be it might be something that happens yeah it might be something or say something extremely controversial well michael's thankfully bleeped my word out so like call everyone. Just, just in case dropping all mm bombs yeah make sure it's beeped out no just thank you everyone um, I look forward to the next year. Yeah. Here's to one more. Thank you. I'll do it for this episode. Um, I'll do it. Thanks for listening. And yeah, see you on the flip side. <laughs> on the flip. That's the thing I say now. That's just the thing I say now. At the end of episodes. The flippity flop. Yeah, I'm just gonna. That's my thing now. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's like your your signature, Michael's. Like you know, whenever character certain characters have signature <laughs> phrases. Yep. 
That's that's one of my catchphrases. So I'm gonna introduce a new one every episode. <laughs> I think Johnny should continue to introduce himself as "Here's Johnny." To be honest, <laughs> yeah, that's only entertaining with a Stephen King. Okay, you have to do that every Stephen King book now, Jonathan. Because that's... instead, we're doing one a year. Stephen's side. <laughs> 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 His books are very different, Stephen. You might like some. I don't care, Michael.